Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Did you like that very chill, normal intro for once? Yeah, I loved it. It's yeah. great. I, I liked all it. your intros. I like that you change it up. I don't as often, so I appreciate your your bravery. Yeah. Hey, we're over 100 episodes deep, my guy. Gotta, yeah. gotta do something to, to yeah. flip the old <laughs> coin, you know? Um, Episode 200, I'll be like, who, me? No one's heard of me before. (laughs) I just make potions in the darkness. A low-key video game podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Red Bigley. And I'm Grim the Snotworm. Not yet. We got to build up to that. I just want to say, I guess, a couple things up front. Um, Number one, probably first and foremost, for those of you longtime listeners, first time callers, uh, I am obviously maybe you can hear, maybe not. And this is all for not, but I'm I'm in a new spot. Um, I just moved out of New Jersey where I've lived for almost all of my life. um, And I moved out of the apartment that I've been living in for about six years. I used to move every year for like a long time. Like as soon as I moved out of my parents' house, I moved every year for like years. Um, And then my last apartment, I was there for six years uh, and I just moved out and I just moved into a new place in Brooklyn, New York and it probably sounds very different. I have not soundproofed this room at all but eventually uh, this will be a podcast dungeon uh, unlike anything you've ever heard. Hopefully you hear nothing but my voice by the time I'm done soundproofing this room. That's my thought because you sure can hear everything happening outside and the above ground subway uh, and also, I'm recording right next to a door that leads out to a hallway. So uh, that's that's the charm of New York, baby. You yeah, know? yeah, New Jersey, it's all peaceful and quiet. But now you got some nice ambiance. Yeah, I traded leaf blowers for subways, essentially. <laughs> Actually, it's not peaceful and quiet in New Jersey. For like, whenever I, I uh, for context, as we would have it, my my family moved to the town Brendan lived in right before I moved to Chicago, which yeah. is our two ships passing moment. But whenever I go home, like we're, we live very close to the train so i hear the train which is charming but there is always like kind of the first song in beauty and the beast choir of events that happen every day yes. kind of in a predetermined schedule which actually weirdly applies to the game we're going to talk about um but <laughs> congrats on the move uh it's bittersweet because I, I we have a lot of fond memories in that place but uh but you did it man and i think this place is going to be even better yeah i'm very excited uh it's 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 cool so far i mean obviously extremely stressful you and i have been talking a lot because you moved recently as well uh, you, yeah. you switched apartments pretty much at the beginning of quarantine uh, in like April. Yeah, it was simultaneously like my birthday and move day, like in the peak of like the the un, like the more panic part of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously still a huge deal, but like when there was even less info, like yes. early April. Uh, so, yeah, that was rough, but I made it work. Um, but yeah, still in Chicago, just a different place. Yeah. A lot of big moves here in the Aether. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, that I just wanted to call that out in case it sounds different and also just in general, because if I sound loopy or bizarre, it's because I slept almost none hours during the weekend <laughs> <laughs> and moved a lot of things all over the place. Lots of furniture, lots of boxes. Um, so, yeah, got a got a weird energy I'm bringing to the table. Also, we're recording at night. Also have to just like mention that every time we do it. Um, Steve and I both have fun nighttime drinks um, and also <laughs> wanted to say thanks everybody who listened to the uh bonus episode with uh with chris plant about splunky and near automata that was really fun yeah uh, we've got a lot of great feedback about it uh we had an extremely good time recording it i am still humming music from near automata every day it's like my my burden the 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 atlas globe on my back 
constantly now <laughs> is thinking about Nier Automata and wishing I could play it again, but thinking maybe I shouldn't because that's what the game wants me to do. Uh, so uh-huh. yeah, I don't know. A lot of, lot of thoughts still lingering about Nier Automata. Play it if yeah. you haven't. It's on Game Pass. Yeah, you're still fresh out of that experience. It's going to carry with you for a while. And that soundtrack is still a go-to for me like all these years later. So that will never pass. It's yeah. a permanent part of your life now. Listening back to Join all the, the edits of that episode was really bizarre. Like Because you know we got the first edit back, I would say, like three or four days after we recorded it. When we recorded it, I was 24 hours out from beating the game. I rolled credits like the day before or the night before. So I had a full day to think about it, which is not enough time to think about Nier Automata. Uh, <laughs> so like by the time I listened to the episode or the first edit of it that uh, that AJ did, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't mention this and this and this. And oh, I have so many thoughts about this now that I, I didn't even like I had a little kernel of unpopped popcorn in the back of my cortex uh, about this idea. So anyway, yeah. we, I, what I'm saying is we should revisit Nier Automata at some point. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I'm, you know me. I'm always down. Mm-hmm. Um, I have that feeling a lot, and that's actually, uh, I guess, a peek behind the curtain. That's why I don't take notes often for this show, because I feel like I, I like discovering those moments with you kind of in the moment. Yeah. Um, I don't want that pressure of like, oh, I didn't make, I didn't get to this thing, you know? Yeah. But with that game, it's hard not to like be constantly overcome with revelations. <laughs> it's it's popcorn constantly. Yeah, exactly. I, um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I, for those of you who listened to the first, or not first, but the the last podcast I did before uh, Into the Aether started, it was called No Script at All. It was a podcast by Terrace House, which is like a Japanese reality show. Um, I was very much the same way there, where I took a shitload of notes, but I wouldn't watch the episode that we were talking about for that episode of the podcast until the day we were recording, like the night of. So all of the takes were fresh immediately. I took a shitload of notes. I mean, it was like five or six pages of notes per like 40 minute episode of, of the television show. Um, but all the takes were fresh and hot off the presses. Uh, and, and in this case, I also uh-huh. really don't take notes too often, unless we're doing like a bonus about something that I care very much about, like near, for example, or last of us part two. I, I, I took notes the entire time I was playing things like that. Yeah. I write down the questions, but yeah, I, uh, it's, oh, yeah. it's hit or miss, but anyway, yeah. I, uh, thank you all for listening just in general, right off the top. And also, uh, for the recent episodes, a lot of fun to make. Yeah. And we're looking forward to the rest of the bonuses we have planned for this year, which is weird are mapped out that's another thing that we don't normally do we don't plan ahead that far but we have in this case yeah it's because we're a legitimate business now we're not just a front (laughs) (laughs) right 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 we're no longer laundering money I was gonna. I was gonna say that we're a front for uh, the developers of Celeste and Hollow Knight, but I like your money oh, laundering yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's probably more moral. Yeah. But anyway, um, oh yeah. If you are a new listener, by the way, it's worth just mentioning at the top. Um, if you go to Into the Cast Online, those are that's where you can find the links to everything: Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch. The Discord is in there. Uh, there's a playlist of like episodes you should listen to if you're just starting out and you don't know where to go. Um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of stuff there. We, we made it very easy. It's just very seamless into the cast dot online. I'm very proud that we have a greatest hits, you know, like we've done the show long <laughs> enough now that at least we can say these are our greatest hits, yeah. you know? Uh, so that's, that's a goal of mine. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'd love to get started with the games we have for today. Uh, you have been playing a game. <laughs> I thought there was going to be a, but there, I thought you were going to be like, I'd love to get started, but but uh no no i'm serious we're no longer a front so uh all that aside brendan i'm very excited to hear about the game you brought to the table for today's episode it's a game that i 
am wanting to play as soon as possible. I, for whatever reason, just didn't pick it up in time for this week's episode. Um, it's a game called Moon, uh, and and I want to hear all about it in your words. Uh, I know the premise, and I know the sort of like atmosphere around the game and the influence it's had, but I've not played the game itself. Uh, so yeah. I, I give the floor to you, my friend, to yeah. sing the praises of Moon. Let me uh, l- let me say up front that the name of the full name of Moon, because I I all I always thought it was just Moon as well. Um, the full name is Moon Remix RPG Adventure. I love that. Is the full name. Uh, the game yeah. within Moon Remix RPG Adventure is called Moon. Uh, so that's mm. the delineation between the two because it's 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 a game inside of a game is kind of the way they kind pitch it. Kind of like a cross-code situation. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Moon Moon Remix RPG Adventure uh, is, is a game that came out in 1997, uh, only in Japan. Uh, it's by a developer called Love the Lick. Love the Lick? I don't know. Uh, Love... Love de Lick, I think. Um, but it's a uh, it's a developer out of Japan, um, essentially made up of a bunch of like ex Square Enix people. Uh, a lot of people who worked on uh, the Chrono games uh, and and uh, Super Mario RPG um, and the Final Fantasy games and Dragon Quest and things like that. They pretty much like all worked at Square Enix and then all left around the same time to form their own studio uh, and just made a bunch of like really wild cool shit. Uh, one of those things is Moon, which is a game that was only released in Japan. It was in the works to be released in the United States, apparently, you know, in 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 progress. Like they announced it at E3 and everything like there was a trailer for it in English that came out like way back in, in the late 90s. Um, and, and it eventually just like got canceled for reasons that just kind of remain, I don't know, up up in the ether, I guess. But the game came out in Japan and pretty much became like a cult classic immediately. Um, and something I don't know, something in the air kind of kept this game around, I think, just like in people's kind of uh, subconscious or or whatever. Uh, And and it has gone on to inspire a lot of other games. Um, Most notably, uh, Toby Fox, the developer of Undertale, has, has said publicly... Uh, hi, I've never played this game, but it's a huge inspiration for me anyway, uh, which I think just goes to show like how kind of revolutionary it was at the time. So the quick pitch on Moon Remix RPG Adventure for the PlayStation 1 um, essentially is that there's a kid who is playing a game called Moon. He's like really excited. You know, it's like a new big uh, like Final Fantasy-esque uh, JRPG kind of experience and he plays it literally all day like 24 hours straight and then his mom is like you gotta get away from the tv you gotta go to sleep like this is this is fucked up (laughs) so he goes to sleep uh briefly but he can't he can't really go to sleep he gets up in the middle of the night and he keeps playing it um and throughout the course of the adventure you you play moon for like maybe a minute like you play the actual game moon for like a minute and it is like just completely off the wall absurd like it is like comic sans version of final fantasy it is (laughs) really goofy um but essentially you just play you know kind of exactly like what you'd expect if you've ever played any jrpg like fantasy based jrpg in the past uh you you walk around as like a kind of like knightly hero you know the chosen one with a big sword and you gotta like make your way through a bunch of dungeons and then like kill a big dragon um and and the opening of this game sees you checking in 
uh, a couple times throughout the save file uh, so you can see like how many hours this kid like the protagonist of this game has played uh, so like at first you know you check in and you're like two hours in and you're just like still doing like opening quests and just like kind of taking out rats here and there uh, and then you check in you're at 50 hours or something and it's like okay now you're like climbing this big fucking like doom volcano to like you know make it to the top and kill a mini boss or something and then at the end you kill a dragon whatever so the kid is like kind of I don't know, spiraling more and more as he's continuing to play the game without stopping and eventually just like falls into the front of the television. It's very much like Poltergeist. You know, if you've ever seen Poltergeist, if you've ever even seen the poster for Poltergeist, which I think is like maybe even like more seminal in terms of its imagery than the actual movie Poltergeist is the poster of the kid like pressed up against the TV. It is literally that this kid falls into moon um, and and comes out the other end. And you essentially play as this kid trying to undo the horror that you've bestowed upon the world as the hero, because what the game is trying mm-hmm. to do is, 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 you know, it, again, coming from a long lineage of people who made a bunch of these exact things that that the game is trying to send up, you know, people who made Super Mario RPG and Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and Chrono Cross and things like that. This game is essentially looking at that genre as a whole and saying, like, actually, if you kind of take a step back, some of this is really fucked up. You're going around, you're killing every animal you see so you can gain experience. You're walking into people's houses and throwing their pots and pans on the ground so you can get money out of the inside of them. Uh, you know, you're, you're constantly just like wreaking havoc on the world, essentially, um, and just things that are very video gamey. You know, it's 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 like very simple stuff that you've never really thought about. Except for like maybe like a, a, a shitty penny arcade webcomic from, you know, the early 2000s. It's like, OK, here's Link running into somebody's house in Wind Waker and throwing a pot on the ground. And like, isn't that goofy? You know, this game is like taking that idea to its like logical conclusion, essentially. Um, yeah. So essentially what you have to do uh, in this game is you walk around the town and and there are monsters that have been killed by the hero that you were once playing as monsters that have been killed by the hero and their, their bodies are essentially just like lying all over the place. So like, there'll be like a bat that's just like split in half because like a sword just cut right through it. And it's just kind of like lying somewhere or there's a slime that got struck by lightning because like the hero has like a God lightning spell or something, you know? So like this level one slime just got eviscerated by lightning because the hero just needed like five experience points or something. So these monsters, are just lying all over the place and you can eventually find the souls of those monsters and then catch them and then you put them back into the bodies or into their corpses that are lying around the world and by doing that you get love points like you literally get hearts that like kind of like explode out of this monster and then go into you um so you're collecting these love points and that's how you level up in this game. Like you're not chasing experience. You're not doing anything else. You're literally collecting love. And by collecting love, it, it increases your action meter, which I will get to in, in a bit because I'm already getting like two in the weeds. So that's one side of things is, is you're, you're uh, catching the souls of these monsters and putting them back, essentially. Right. You're bringing these monsters back to life. Uh, on the other hand, you explore this town and meet all these different NPCs and they all have their own storylines and they all have their own kind of like uh, routines that they're going on throughout the day. And in certain instances, you will gain love just by helping them out with certain things. So like the easiest example is the very first thing that you do. And I do not mind at all spoiling that this is the first thing you're supposed to do in the game because the game is completely opaque. Uh, and, and I'll get to like what that means and, and why that's fun 
and then also the downsides of that later. Um, but the first thing you do in this game is you wake up, uh, you know, as this as this kid who has just fallen into a video game uh, and you're in your quote unquote grandmother's house. Gramby is the name of the character. Uh, Gramby and her dog Tao. Um, and and Gramby uh, is like, hey, I baked you some cookies. Here's some cookies. Go out and explore the town. Go have fun. And what you're supposed to do, technically, there's not really a whole lot of information given to you. But what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to save up enough money to go to the baker and buy some bread and bring the bread back for, for Gramby and give it to her. And that's how you get your first love, technically. Um, there are other ways to get love first before that. But like that's that's the thing that like kicks off the whole game, technically. Um, and there are ways to find out that that's the first thing. But uh, I, I find it. Or I found it personally very difficult to find out that that's what you were supposed to do. Um, but anyway, things like that, things that are that simple, like go get go get bread, give to Granby, uh, that gets you love points. Catching monster souls, putting them back, that gets you love points. Okay, that's the baseline of the game: is that you're you're undoing the horrible things that the hero has done, essentially. Um, the way the game functions is where it gets really interesting. And I, I honestly like I was into the idea of this being the anti RPG, which is what they call it in all the marketing. And that's what they called it in the marketing, like back in the 90s when the thing came out. Also, um, this is that was always very much the intention was this to be like the opposite of what an RPG is supposed to be. But where I think the game kind of innovates more than I was expecting is in the actual like functional minute by minute play of the thing. Um, the, the way you play this game is you wake up in the bed every morning uh, and in the top left, there's like a clock and the clock is just there's no like hours or minutes on it. It's just split in half between daytime and nighttime. Um, and in the center of the clock is a symbol that denotes what day it is. Uh, and, and the days all have like wild, wild names. Uh, one of them is like Echo's Day and it just looks like a wild fi symbol essentially um you know things like that like they're they're just like complete nonsensical but they are days they're seven days of the week and they're split up between day and night so you wake up and and as you move around the world there's a little red arrow that's kind of like sliding around the clock and that red arrow determines how much action you have throughout the day and if it hits a certain point you just pass out and you die and you have to load your save again and start over so you really need to be managing how much time you have to spend throughout the day and when you start the game you literally only have until nighttime to move around like you cannot explore the world in in nighttime literally at all as soon as you begin which i thought was very interesting so that kind of forces you in a way to only explore things that you you know you can make it to because if you want to keep your progress at all you have to walk all the way back to Granby's house and then fall asleep in the bed again to reset and move on to the next day because it saves every time you go to sleep all of those love points that i was referring to before that you're getting from monsters and you're getting from like doing fun things for people in town or doing nice things for people in town um all adds up uh every time you go to sleep there's like a big floating claymation head that's like hello great job yeah, i mean it doesn't speak like that at all it just goes like <laughs> Um, but yeah. anyway, it, it, it counts up all your love points and then it essentially uh, allows you to spend more time making your way throughout the town throughout the day. So like at this point, I've been playing for I'm going to say like three to five hours somewhere in that vicinity. If I had to guess, I can now make it through an entire day and an entire night and about through like half to three quarters of another day is kind of where I'm at just in terms of the amount of love points I've I've I've, I've accumulated at this point. So what that means for me is that like I am now spending my time instead of just saying like, OK, how far can I make it? It's now OK, what stuff happens 
during what days and what time of day because I can now kind of experience an entire day and then some um, because I can make it all the way from like literally the moment I wake up to all the way the end of night and the beginning of another day. I can use that little sliver of time I have in the second day to walk back to Granby's house and go back to sleep. So I can now see an entire day's worth of actions. And that's kind of where the game I think it's really interesting because all of these NPCs throughout this world all have their own routines and their own things that they're doing. It's weirdly a lot like Oblivion, which like I can't believe I'm invoking <laughs> yeah. Oblivion in this case, but it weirdly reminded me first of Oblivion um, just in that one of the big selling points of that game was like, oh yeah, people actually do have routines and things that they do constantly. Um, one of the like best moments of the Dark Brotherhood quest is this one is this one quest that you're given uh, to go kill a guy uh, specifically who goes like swimming in a lake on like a specific day on like Tuesday every week. You yeah, know? He's, he's one of the head guard of a, of one of the city states. And the only time he's not wearing armor is when he's swimming. Yes. So yeah, you have to like wait to Turtis. To, like, yeah, exactly. Swimming. Exactly. Uh, unfortunate names of the week for oblivion. But yeah, I, I know exactly. I mean that, and that's the irony that I was thinking of when you said that this game was marketed as an anti RPG is, is that a lot of more modern RPGs have really, really fallen into I guess what this game is doing yeah. as their selling point as an RPG you know as a yes you know so I think I think the term anti RPG is probably like more said in in terms of like the game is is directly commenting on like tropes you just kind of go in thoughtlessly with yes um but the idea of like there being this immersive world that, that seemingly its own kind of organism with its own routine and its own like that that is something that is been echoed a lot since um i mean i even think like the the rewards of just investing in people and doing nice things for people you can see that in persona and three houses you know yeah. more recently which i know like it doesn't take me much to bring up those two games but i think that that's worth pointing out in cases like this no, I, I totally agree. Please continue. Yeah, yeah. Th this game, I mean, there are, there are ripples of this game in so many others. Like for a game that I hadn't really heard of until they announced that they were going to be finally releasing it, you know, uh, localizing it and then releasing it in the United States. You know, th this this is in Majora's Mask. You know, Majora's Mask is pretty much this like boiled down to one day instead of instead of seven. Yeah. Three days, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Minute is yeah. is very similar. Uh because you know, the the idea of the idea of minute being you wake up in your house and you walk around and you only have sixty seconds to explore the world and then you die and you start over again. Um that's very literally what is happening here. I mean, if you if you are walking around and you don't make it back to Granby's house, you will just pass out on the ground and then get kicked back to the main menu and have to start again. Uh which is a little bit more of like a punishing move than what Minute does, which like kind of relishes in the fact that you are you only have a minute to explore things. Um but this game I found to be immediately very, very stressful, essentially. This is like so not the kind of game that I would like and it, which, you know, ironically makes it one of my favorite kinds of games to check out for this podcast. But I am so bad at like early to mid 90s kind of like uh, point and click adventure games, like just try every item on every NPC and figure out what works and like use things in weird ways. You know, um, I that that is not a thing that I've ever really been good at because I just kind of don't have the like I, I almost don't have the patience for it, I think. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't even know if I don't know if anyone is good at that because I think a lot of those at at their worst, a lot of those games are relying on just being as esoteric as possible. You know, yes. like they want you to just sort of like try out every possibility. And, and I think that there's there's joy in that in the sense of a game feeling mysterious. But then like there's a really fine balance between like feel like having those aha moments and being like, oh, how was I supposed to know that? You know? Yeah. And and I think that that just comes with like some clunkier early game design but I, I think that's something that's not like a developed scale as much as it is like you know a lot of these games required walkthroughs I mean that's my biggest beef with Majora's Mask honestly is that like if you there is no intuitive way to figure out how to get the couple's mask in that game mm-hmm. like you know there's like like a lot of the things in that game are, are so reliant on a walkthrough and, there, and that is, that's not to say it's bad it just it's just that I think that there's a way to encourage organic discovery while also being hands off which it sounds like moon is doing more successfully than maybe games around that time yeah i I, the thing about moon that i find really interesting is that um so the game comes out on switch it's worth mentioning is is where i'm playing it i think it's on switch and i don't know if it's anywhere else it might just be on switch actually at the moment it feels right for it yeah oh yeah absolutely it's really good in handheld mode i highly recommend playing it in handheld the 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 game comes out and I started playing it and I was like kind of up in the air about it um, in the beginning. I, I I was bouncing off of it so hard that I was like, I don't know if this is going to be for me in the long run. I think I might have to just bail on this entirely because I kept having days where I would just wake up and have no idea what to do. Right in the beginning, I really had no idea what to do. I couldn't even figure out that like I had to go get bread for Granby. You know, like at that point, I was like, <laughs> I, I've accumulated no love in this game. I have literally no idea what to do. And I only last, you know, maybe like two minutes walking around the town, two to five minutes total making my way around this town like i'm not making any progress and i have no clue what to do but eventually i was scrolling through twitter and i found onion games who are the uh, the team that localized this for switch um and they tweeted out hey we highly recommend you read the manual uh, but before you play the game. So I open up the manual and I started reading it and it, it, it looks honestly exactly like a 1990s manual. But I was making my way through the thing and it just started explaining all this stuff that I had like no idea was happening. Like I didn't understand why I was passing out all the time even, you know, like I just, yeah, I yeah. just was. Uh, and, and it was like a huge bummer every single time it happened. But I but I opened up this manual and I started making my way through it and it was like, oh my God, okay, so there's, there's you know, days of the week. Okay, that's interesting, worth keeping in mind. Oh, so this is an action meter, whatever. Um, and as I started making my way through by the end of it, I was like, oh, oh, shit, I actually like understand what I'm supposed to be doing and how to play this game now, which is not a feeling I felt since the 90s, really. Like the last yeah, time yeah. I felt like I needed to read a manual to understand the game was probably around then. Um, and, and at the very end of the manual, there's a thing that just says hints and tips. And and what one of the tips that it says is moon world is constantly changing with time. Sometimes it pays to be patient and wait. Put on your favorite MD and relax. Uh, MD is music disc. Uh, throughout the course of the game, you just collect music discs <laughs> that you can play in a CD player that you have. But the, in that moment, when I read that, that was com- that was the moment where my brain completely flipped from like, I find this to be an anxiety inducing experience, not knowing what to do uh, and only having a limited time. You know, it was like minute initially for me. Like I, w- I was trained to play it like minute weirdly, where it was like, I need to sprint around this world to figure out what I can do as quickly as possible to like, oh, maybe it is okay to just like hang out in the town square and see who walks by at what point in the day. Like maybe it is okay to... 
uh, like just go hang out and like watch the king feed birds for a bit, you know, um, just because yeah. like the animation is goofy and fun, and cute, you know, um, may- maybe it is OK to like see where the dog runs off to at night, you know, um, because it's nice to listen to Claire de Lune for a little bit because Claire de Lune plays outside Granby's house. And in those moments, weirdly, like in those moments where I just kind of sit and watch and see what happens and like I'm constantly surprised by like, oh, my God, a, a, a small claymation you ufo just flew by you know at midnight uh on on teardrop day or whatever or <laughs> or like oh you find out where the dog is running or oh my god i f- i finally understand uh where to get the soul for this monster like those moments those those not even aha moments really as much i, th- I think the monster one is maybe a bad example for this but the the moments where you just kind of like clue into how the world is kind of behaving and 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 living around you are the moments that I think make this game the classic that people say it is. Like, I I, I had yeah. a really hard time trying to figure out why this was such a big deal for such a long time. And eventually, once I just completely let myself live there instead of trying to play it, uh, was when I realized that I was doing the exact thing that the developers wanted me to do. You know, at the at the end of the day... I the, was just going to say... Yeah the, the, yeah, the game, you know, is built around this idea of, you know, the, the world is not here for you to kill everything and gain experience and just, like, plow your way through a story. You know, the, the world is here for you to experience it, interact with it, and, and, and just kind of, like, learn from it. And, you know, you and I were talking earlier, there's a really, really incredible um, uh, interview with the developer of this game on Vice right now, which I'll, I'll link to in the show notes, uh, that that Patrick Klepek did over there. And, and he talks a lot about like traveling the world, you know, and, and just like listening to other people and just like kind of experiencing the world like that. And it feels like moon is a weird distillation of that. Like moon really is like putting a backpack on and like going across like Europe, like the, as cliche as that sounds like that's what this game kind of elicits emotionally. Um, and, and that's kind of a beautiful thing. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to have accomplished in 1997, you know, like, that's really why yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's it's years before Majora's Mask did like a horror take on that, you know, and it's years before Minute did that. Um, but but at the end of the day, like this is a game that is like a complete left field, like bonkers idea to come up with at that time when video games as like a concept are still kind of that early on, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah and, exactly. And to say, like, I'm going to do you know, a complete about face 180 uh, and and do the exact opposite of the thing I've been building for the past 15 years. Like that's kind of beautiful and incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's the year Final Fantasy VII came out. So to like, to make a sort of like reflection of RPGs when they're kind of in their prime in a way. Yeah. About to hit their prime. Yeah. You know, or at least like of that era uh, is really fascinating. And I think uh, something that really struck me with your experience with Moon, where in the beginning it wasn't clicking with you and you were just trying to like, you you were picking up the like, OK, I don't want to kill things, but I, I still want to get to the next objective as quickly as possible. Yeah. Like with a simpler version of the game, there would have been like dialogue where the boy as this new creature in the game is like, where do I go? I want to fight. But the developers just let you do that as yourself. Yes. You know, until yes. you decided to slow down, which is really fascinating. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, I, I can't wait to play it. I'm I'm really also talking about reflection, like the fact that we're at a point in the show where you have played this game before. I, <laughs> I know I was thinking like, about that, too. I don't want to I don't want to make too, too egocentric, but like the fact that you began this episode with gushing about Nier Automata and are now recommending Moon to me uh, <laughs> is great. I, I My work here is done. I can ascend and go to the moon myself. Yeah. 
But yeah, it sounds lovely. And I, and I think that that weirdly, even at that time, even calling this an anti-RPG, what the game is focusing on is what makes RPGs great. I mean, even in games that are of this era, like Chrono Trigger, like Final Fantasy VII, the things that make those games still be seen as classics is all that stuff. You know, very yeah. few people talk about like, dude, it was so cool when I summoned Ifrit against the the robot boss on the boat. Right. That's not what people remember. They remember the the tender moments between characters, or like the moments of discovery or or regret or what, these human emotions that are tied to the characters. And that's what I think RPGs have done, especially in that era of games where like not only was that early for for sort of like the classic era of, of RPGs, but it was also also early for games to be even trying to tell a story at all you know yeah like it was still very much in at least in the u.s there was this big vibe of like them being a toy you know it was marketed the same way toys were yeah and to have a game like moon exists so early is really is really like unstuck in time and the fact like i don't want to spoil the interview because it's definitely worth reading but you know, Toby Fox, who made Undertale in 2015. Uh, Undertale, we've talked about in passing many times. It's one of my favorite games. It was a big deal. You probably know about it. Um, <laughs> but if you don't, it is a game that is highly... <laughs> that sounded like a brag for some reason. <laughs> like like you are Toby Fox secretly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that game is is interested in the same idea, although... Whereas Moon is like fully embracing the anti-RPG side of things, Undertale is kind of asking the player what they prefer. Yeah, it's looking at all sides. The way the game plays out is largely dependent on like if you play it like a Dragon Quest or if you play it like a Moon. Yeah, it, it's it's as if you played through all of Moon first and then played Moon Remix RPG Adventure after. That's what that's kind of yeah. what Undertale is is trying to accomplish in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But from what I know of the article, uh, Toby Fox is is somewhat responsible for encouraging the creator of Moon to bring it to the U.S. now. Which, like, kind of feels faded that it would come out, you know, too soon and then resurface when it's, like, needed most. Yes, uh, totally. Really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I'm excited to play it. Yeah, it's it's so good. I mean, one, one of the things I haven't even mentioned about this game, really, like, it's so funny. It is such a funny game. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, say too much because then I'd be kind of, like, spoiling some of the puzzles, I guess, in the game. But there are, like, a couple things that have happened in this game that have made me, like, deep belly laugh in ways that I haven't while playing a game in a very long time. There's there one one example that maybe I will mention just cuz like it's worth doing and it's very easy to miss maybe, but um the baker who I was talking about before who who bakes this bread and and makes bread every morning, he he sells a loaf of bread and a croissant every day. And that, those are the two things in his shop. Um and you can go buy it every day and it's great. And if you eat food, it'll let, it it fills your action meter more so you can hang out more throughout the day, but mm. it's also very expensive. So, you know, kind of a risk reward thing there uh, cuz you'll need money for other things, dear listener. But anyway, <laughs> um there's one day of the week just just one that the baker goes to the local bar and just like drinks himself into oblivion. And you can go back to his bakery at night when he's done drinking and follow him into his house. And I highly recommend doing it because it's the hardest I've laughed at a game in a really long time. Amazing. Like, honestly, me telling you that it is funny when you go through that door will not make it any less funny when you go through that door. I promise you. Good. Good. 
Yeah, it is. It is just like an incredibly goofy game. Even I just mentioned before, like the king feeds birds every morning. Like the animation of the king feeding birds is so hilarious that I just sat there and watched it until I passed out and died and had to start from the menu again. <laughs> so it was so funny. Um, I yeah. mean, it actually didn't take that long because he he only does it in the morning. And he goes back inside. But like it is it is just an, an extremely good animation. Everything about this game is great. Um, talk to every single person. Any item you collect, show it show every item in your inventory to every person, every NPC that you meet, because there's dialogue for almost all of it. And it's all very funny or will actually help you. Um, yeah, I, it, I, I'm learning to play games that I bounced off of when I was like eight or nine years old, essentially like via moon. And I think that's really exciting because it's maybe going to allow me to go back and play those things that I didn't enjoy. Like mist, for example, was a game that I hated when I was a kid and maybe would love now who knows. Um, but the thing that, that moon has that mist absolutely does not have is this like kind of irreverent sense of theme. Uh, that that is like so single minded and so well accomplished and and so fun um, that that it is making me want to play Moon literally at every moment. Like all I want to be doing is playing Moon um, and just like hanging out in that world. Like it feels like an Animal Crossing situation. Weirdly, we're like that that Moon yeah. that Moon Town has become my my Animal Crossing town. Um, and and all that to say, like, there's a lot more of this game that I haven't seen yet. I'm still in the opening town. I still am like not past, you know, the the, the beginning of the game. Technically, I think there's a lot more in front of me, at, at least from watching the trailer. There seems to be like entire other towns and places that I can go visit. And I don't know what any of them look like or what they are. So that's thrilling to me. I'm, I'm so stoked to play more of this. Honestly, it, it's it's really great. But I also do want to mention It's very much not for everyone. As much as I would like everyone to play it, I understand if you go to play it and hate it, but but I'm having a great time. Read the manual. (laughs) I was thinking about games that like said on the front of the box, like, hey, you really got to read the manual for this. And the last one that I played that said that was for the PS2. It was RPG Maker 2. Oh, wow. uh, The the less well-known sequel to RPG Maker 1, which is kind of the basis for like a lot of popular games weirdly yeah um but rpg maker 2 was in 3d and it, it had kind of like a blur to the 3d animation so that's kind of what ruined it because like rpg maker was kind of like rooted in the snes era so it's timeless yeah whereas like rpg maker 2 was like early 64 vibes right, right, right. that's the one i had yeah and it was so cool and in-depth and like i like any knowledge i have of coding is because of that instruction manual like you know because basically you had to like they had like templates you could choose from but you can add it like okay if a character steps here you can add a script where like if x happens therefore y kind of thing it was really fascinating i of course i think i got it when i was like 13 and I try to make a Final Fantasy. I'm like, I can do it. Uh, and <laughs> I'm gonna make Final Fantasy. There was a, yeah, there was a <laughs> serendipitous or future telling because uh, I made you know the main character was like this like gruff dude with a sword, and then he had like an annoying best friend who joined the party. But through my lack of knowledge of RPG Maker Two, once that event happened where he's like, I'm not letting you leave town alone. I'm going with you, and he joins the party. His other self remains. So if you want just like eight of him, you can keep talking to this very <laughs> Zell-dinked-esque character, yeah. Final Fantasy VIII. 
And then when you fight, it's like very much classic Dragon Quest, like first person turn based combat. So you can't change a lot of it, but like it was cool to experience that and to see like even just a very kind of elementary version of what goes into game design at a young age. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that used to be a given. It used to be a given to read the manual. And I'm I'm glad overall that's not the norm, but it's special when it happens and works out. Yeah. Um, if the game has enough of its own logic that you need to. Yeah. The, the, the thing that this game is is hearkening back to for me in, in a big way, beyond just reading the manual, I think, is that it, it gets back to a thing that you and I talked about with, with Chris Plant on, on our bonus episode. Actually, I don't even think it was it was at that point. I think it was during the question segment. But somebody asked, like, what, what are the things that we like about Spelunky? And, and you know, what, what, what kind of things would we like to see, you know, um, go forward from Spelunky? And what, what are my things that I mentioned there? I think what uh, was like... Like the idea of secrets in games like Spelunky is a game that is like almost completely comprised of secrets. You know, there is like the, uh, you know, mines, jungle, ice level, temple uh, version of Spelunky where you just like do a normal run from A to B uh, to C to D and then you're done with the game. But there's also like a ton of shit to uncover in that game. I mean, th- th- that game is like layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. Um, and you could just scratch the surface and have an incredible time. But the deeper you go, the more fun you're going to have. Um, and and Moon is very much that, weirdly enough. Um, you know, yeah. and, and it's a game from the era that Spelunky is hearkening back to, which is kind of goofy. Um, yeah. But the fact that Moon is coming out now in 2020, like really does make it feel fresh and interesting again, because that's a thing that games have kind of gotten away from. Uh, that's a thing you and I talked about a little bit with Tony Hawk Pro Skater one plus two, uh, which is coming out this week, actually the week that we're recording. But oh uh, man, I'm so excited. I know me too. But like w- one of the things that you and I talked about with that game is how exciting it's going to be to see if there are any secrets, you know, like see if because the thing is like secrets are expensive. You know, like if you're making a video game, any time you're spending not working on the core idea of what the video game is, it, it is is kind of like wasted money to some developers and publishers and things like that, you know. Um, so the idea that you could go back to a game like Moon, for example, uh, and just kind of experience a game that is entirely that, you know, you could you could play this game uh, for three hours and never accomplish anything if you're like talking to the wrong people the wrong way on the wrong day at the wrong time. And it's so comfortable with that. It's so comfortable in its own skin. And uh, I think I think that's great. I think that's really great. I think it's really special and, and, and should be played and should be experienced. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a really good time with it. And I, I, I am thinking about it constantly. And uh, I think I, I probably will like take it with me in the old heart and the old mind forever after I'm done with it. You know, um, I don't sounds like a, yeah, it sounds like a lot of people have over the last couple decades since it came out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm kind of cluing into why. And it's not even yet. It's not even um, because like the the themes of the game are kind of getting to me. It's more just the the vibe and the ambiance of the thing are getting to me. And uh, for those of you who've listened to the show for a very long time, back to our earliest episodes, the thing that I was always on the hunt for was a game as a vibe, um, which, you know, is a thing that I, I got from game. Games like Steep, for example, uh, and, and and No Man's Sky, yeah, and uh, and and things like that. Uh, but Moon kind of like falls into that. I mean, there there is a narrative and there's progression going on, but it, but it is very much a vibe simulator that that is doing a very good job. So yeah, I, I think I think I'm done talking about Moon, Stephen. For now, I, I have one thing to say that, that kind of is an extension of the game's vibe idea. And I promise you, Brendan, and your listener that I am not a Woody-esque toy that when you pull the string either quotes Scott McCloud's Understanding <laughs> Comics 
or uh, says Celeste or Three Houses is good. But I'm going to quote Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics because uh, in one of the moments, it's a great comic. It's a like a lit theory about comics. And there are, there are two parts of it that really talk about carrying with you in the heart. It carries with me in the mind constantly. Um, one is the picture plane, which I've referenced. The mm-hmm. other is he breaks down all transitions within comics. So the, the panel to panel transition as five types. There's action to action, moment to moment, uh, sequence to sequence, aspect to aspect, non sequitur, and then like the exact next frame. So for example, that might not be entirely correct. I'm not going to double check because we got to move on eventually. But <laughs> uh, basically it's like, okay, if, if I think the example is like a you know baseball player. Mm-hmm. So one would be like, okay, one panel, he's holding the bat. The next panel, he's swinging. Maybe action would be he's holding the bat and the next panel is like the ball in the sky. The aspect to aspect, if memory serves, is this idea that maybe instead of showing the baseball player and the ball being hit, you show uh, a snack vendor, a family in the seats, someone standing in the field, and then like a shot of the full stadium. So like we are focusing on where we are, not exactly what needs to happen Mm. and and there was a direct correlation i think in in a lot of western storytelling in particular there's a sort of constant formula of a rising action there's something that needs to be solved it's either solved or not and then the story plays out it's a very loose structure it's not a bad thing it just that's kind of how a lot of western storytellers have done it whereas and and he he kind of like tracks the number of panel to panel transitions in both Western and Eastern comics. And he noticed like a very large, at least at the time it came out, which I think it was like in the nineties or maybe even earlier, but the, the Western comics were, were mostly action to action. And in, in early manga, there were a lot more kind of atmospheric transitions. And I think that when you look at a lot of Japanese storytelling from, from the early to mid-90s and even earlier, there's a lot more comfort in this idea of there not needing to be a conflict. Like you look yes. at, um, yes. I, I think about uh, Miyazaki's library, which is, which is you know, a filmmaker I'm very familiar with. And you watch My Neighbor Totoro uh, and you watch Kiki's Delivery Service and you can see the difference in terms of Totoro is completely fine with not needing any kind of conflict. You know, like there, there mm-hmm. are moments of tension and of worry, but it really is just a day in these people's lives and in their imaginations. Um, I, and I love Kiki. I, I actually like Kiki more, but Kiki, I think at a certain point feels the pressure of needing there to be some kind of, uh, elevated task to com- be completed. And, and that happens. It plays out in a kind of more traditionally Western way, which I wonder if, you know, because it was distributed by Disney, please don't open your frozen eyes and glare at me that, that maybe that applied to the storytelling. But either way, both great movies. I just think that it's interesting when stories, regardless of where they're from, can feel not only comfort, but like confidence in not needing to solve a problem. I mean, in the case of Moon, you are collecting, you're undoing things, but really that's not what's 
that's not what you're focusing on when you talk about the game. What you're focusing on is the setting itself. And I think that video games as a medium, even outside of comics, are so much more intimate in terms of like what, like literally in the case of Moon, the player has fallen into the world. That's kind of what they want you to do. Yeah, they're so well equipped to to tell that kind of story, to, to have almost the absence of it. I mean, the one that really comes to mind uh, based on everything you're saying is Shadow of the Colossus, you know, which like yes. is, yeah. is just vibe is like it is entirely telling a story via the world as you explore it you know there is there's no narrative at all the only narrative you get is like a god going you know in the beginning and then like <laughs> just kind of spouting nonsense and at you towards the end yeah. yeah and then and then you rush out and, and do the thing that you do in that video game which i think i'm gonna have a lot of thoughts about if i ever go play that again after playing moon but uh yeah anyway yeah yeah, I, 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 I'm totally I, my, my whole point with that was was that I think that video games as a medium can feel even more comfortable straying away from needing a conflict. Yes. And we see that in games like Animal Crossing, even, you know, where like there's the loose goal of like, hey, you can build your house bigger. But really what you're doing is you're just existing in a world. I think that's also why a lot of MMOs are so popular. I think it's why we liked Final Fantasy 14 so much. It's not because we liked, uh, hey, I've got a barrel that needs to be filled. Can you fill my barrel? Thanks for filling my barrel. Yeah. Here's 30 experience. Yeah. We like being in that place. So I don't know. I I, I just wanted to touch on that. And uh, yeah, I am so excited to play. You got me really excited even more than I was. Yeah, you're going to have a really good time, I think. Um, and I, I, I hope we often talk about uh, revisiting games on this show and then we very rarely do. But I think this is actually one that we should probably revisit when you played more of it, because I think I think you and I are going to want to talk about it more. Yeah, because I, I can't wait to talk to you about like specifics in this game. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. It's going to um, be a big deal. I can feel it. Yeah. You want to take a break and then come back and uh, talk about some more stuff? Yes. Cool. I love that. That's always the thing I say. What are we going to do when we come back? Not talk about more stuff? Yeah. You want to come back and arm wrestle from uh, different cities? Yeah. I was just going to shake the mic to like simulate the, the sound of arm wrestling, but that would have been very bad. I, I have a very precarious See, mic setup right now as I've just moved into this apartment. Podcasts need conflict, Brendan. We can't exist aspect to aspect. We have to introduce conflict. Yes, a high-key okay. video game podcast. I'm going to get another drink, and I'm also going to check Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics and make sure everything I said wasn't a dream I had. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Goodbye, dear listener. Bye. Steven, we're back, and I'm so excited to talk to you about the next thing that we're going to talk about. Uh, a couple episodes okay. ago was the capital T sports capital s episode capital e uh where we talked about fall guys a wonderful game that is still wonderful and another game called Blaseball, which uh is is just an amazing cultural event and game uh and and we talked a lot about it and i kind of like got you hyped on on i think like dipping your toes in and like starting to play the thing and then immediately like literally 20 to 25 minutes after we recorded that episode, Blaseball went on a hiatus for like two to two and a half weeks or something. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and then, and then came back last week um, and y- you got very into it. If I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. Or two I weeks mean, ago. I, I, I don't even know. Time is wild. Yeah, who, who, who cares about time? Honestly, I mean, it worked out in a weird way. Cause I think that like baseball immediately got this kind of huge pull and then like it had time to kind of chill out and people could sort of talk about it and spread the buzz uh, yes. without the burden of needing to follow it right. directly. Yeah. So you can kind of just do research 
research for a couple of weeks and figure out what this thing is. <laughs> uh, and it came back. And, and since then, not only am I into it, but a lot of our mutual friends are also very into it. And like, mm-hmm. it's basically become what actual sports are to a lot of people for me. Yes. I'm so glad that you, I'm so glad this is your take. Cause this is like yeah. almost exactly what my take is at this point. I mean, yes. weirdly, you know, if, if moon is the anti RPG that like weirdly gets at the heart of what makes RPGs great, baseball is the eldritch horror minimalist version of fantasy sports that gets at what makes sports great. Other than the notable absence of like uh, professional athleticism <laughs> on display. <laughs> but, uh-huh. you know, I think in terms, maybe not sports itself, but in terms of the act of following a team and rooting for a team is all there. And, you know, I guess to just to brush up really quickly on what it is, it's a browser-based game where uh, you make an account, you log in, you choose a team. Brendan and I are now both Kansas City Breathmints fans. It's true. Um, you switched. You can switch teams uh, if you get enough coins. You can buy a flute to switch teams. Um, <laughs> I love the the monotony with which you delivered that very wild. Do sentence. you know how many games we pitched on the show that have some kind of flute you can purchase at some point <laughs> to make things easier? It's not strange to me. <laughs> It's like every Zelda game. <laughs> the last Zelda game I played, you could summon a kangaroo with a flute, and you just hop around in his pouch. It's great. Yeah, I uh, was uh, so I, I I was um I was I was a fan of the Hawaii Fridays, uh, essentially because um andrea my co-host on my other show and i uh were were looking up blazeball like right when it was kind of like i don't know i think like the week that it came out or something um we we had read some articles about it and we were talking about it and like went to the website to go check out what it was and the first thing it does when you sign in and you make an account is it asks you to pick a team with like really no guidance whatsoever and we yeah every team is tied to an emoji Yes. So there's like the breath mints. There's the like silhouette of a person talking. It's the Canada moist talkers. Yeah. And and you select a team. You, you select the Fridays just kind of on on a gut impulse. Yeah. That we 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 essentially knew nothing about about what baseball was and just like wanted to get through the page to see what more of it or like see what the thing actually looked like once we had picked the team uh not knowing that once you pick a team that locks you in i the hawaii fridays great team i had a really great time york silk like one of the greatest batters uh, yeah, like maybe in the existence. star in the league yeah. yeah uh like yeah definitely like up there you know top 10 mvps of the entire league but um i just want to add to york silk's lore so as as we said last time he's a uh toddler or a young boy he's like eight or uh, nine who, yeah he's like eight uh who was given a gun blade from final fantasy 8 and in the wiki he is proudly wearing a shirt that is the pattern of like the town rug that everyone had yeah. as a kid. <laughs> like the city, the city and the rug that that made me belly laugh for like a whole day i just wanted to uh, the wiki wonderful place uh yeah. check it out i had a feeling that was gonna be the thing that, that that brought you into it but anyway yeah i was a fan of the hawaii fridays for a long time and then um you and aj both signed on uh pretty much at the, hello aj you and aj both signed on like pretty much at the same time and, and made your accounts and both of you simultaneously without talking to one another picked the Kansas City Breathmints. So suddenly our chat between the three of us became like me uh, in the Hawaii Fridays hanging out and then you guys having like a cool grand old time in, in Kansas City Breathmintsville. And uh, I, I honestly, Steven, I started to feel a little left out. Uh, so I was like, OK, this actually this actually works for me because now I have uh, now I personally have a stake in this. Now, I personally have a reason 
to continue playing baseball and checking in constantly because I now want to accumulate enough coins to be able to switch teams to the Kansas City Breathmints. And and that was when I went from like already loving baseball to like head over heels like this is an incredible experience yeah. because I was watching every single game for a while so I could uh, rack up enough coins to eventually uh, switch teams to the Breathmints, which I've now done um, and, and having a great time uh, in, in yeah. Breathmints chat. Breathmints are great. And, and just to briefly brush over how this game works. So as we kind of got into you pick a team and your options, at least in the beginning, were like uh, you could there are three like major tabs of the site. There is a shop where you can spend the coins you accumulate through betting on games. You can bet on any match. It doesn't matter who's playing. You can even bet against your own team on their own game, which, yes. you know, I refuse to do out of spirit for the minty way. But, you know, do what you can. It's currency for your team at some point. I have 100 coins on, on the San Francisco lovers against the Breathmints right now. Uh, I'm anyway. sorry. Uh, it's OK. So you can <laughs> bet on matches and the shop. You can buy a number of bizarre items. Some of them have very straightforward forward purposes so like one of the first things you'll probably get is a uh, what's called a passive income potion uh it basically lets you gain coins without betting on a match whenever your team wins yeah so you know that that's a really nice thing and then some things are unexplained like i bought a squirrel that helps me eat peanuts faster um which is both the act of eating peanuts and why i'd want to eat them faster both unexplained so there's stuff like that that gives some mystery and then uh, there are elections where you can buy in the store votes uh, to vote in the elections. So every season there'll be like some kind of thing to to vie for. It might be like randomize the stats of every team or 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 something unexplained, like open the book, which led us to the discipline era, which we're currently in. We yeah. went into that last time, so I won't go too much into that. Uh, I do want to do oh, a little. I do want to do a little bit of a follow up because uh, the first time you and I talked about baseball, the uh, the the decree that I was most excited about potentially was player interviews, um, which was one of the things that was on the table. Um, and and as you and I were talking about it, my thought was like, this is not going to be what people think it is, re- like in the slightest, because a lot of people were concerned. Uh, I think rightfully initially, um, b- because so much of the lore around this game comes from the community and not from the developers, which I think is a really incredible thing about about baseball just in general, um, is that like the discord and the wiki is like where lore is kind of being written. The, the developers are just giving you enough like nuggets. It's almost like writing prompts, essentially, you know, what, what, the, what the developers give yeah. you yeah. Uh, in a way. So the idea of player interviews kind of freaked some people out initially because they thought like, oh, if the player starts speaking, actually, if they have like written dialogue and like written lines and stuff, um, then that might kind of like color or like undo some of the community written lore that exists. Uh, what what player interviews actually ended up doing uh, is it created a new Twitter account that's called the Blazeball Microphone, where the players are technically speaking into it, but it's creating feedback apparently. Uh, at least like in the lore of the game, it's creating feedback um, that has now become a weather condition. So I talked about weather conditions in the first episode. Weather conditions can be anything from a solar eclipse, which means that sometimes players will get just incinerated uh, at random uh, to more on that later yeah, yeah. To, to lots of birds 
uh, which means that birds are constantly <laughs> interrupting the game and just make the games go on for really long. One one of the weather conditions now is feedback because I don't think we as mere mortals are supposed to hear what the players of baseball are saying. Um, so oh whenever God. they speak into the microphone, it creates feedback throughout like the cosmos, I guess, and 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 the many planes of existence. Um, so what that means is uh, sometimes uh, if feedback is a weather condition, uh, two players, one on each team, will just switch teams at the end of the game. They, they just they just swap entirely, uh, which was wild. So that's what feedback ended up being was a Twitter account and a horrifying weather condition that can like really fuck <laughs> up a team at any moment. Yeah, that uh, one of the, the biggest examples of feedback was Jessica Telephone switched from the Hades Tigers to the Philly Pies, who she's one of the star batters in the whole yeah. world of baseball. Yeah, that was a huge deal. Yeah. So and and the other thing is uh, when you're watching the match, it's very much like watching fantasy baseball or, you know, any kind of like text icon update of a game. You see like what's happening, the outs. Yeah, it's literally logging onto ESPN.com yeah. from like Safari on your iPhone and watching a baseball game like via that website. So, yeah, we're, we're Breathman's fans. And, and the end of this season, um, there are games every hour, right? So how many games are there per yes, day? Every hour on the hour. Oh, so yeah. there are 24 games per day? Yes. Wow. Okay. So there, <laughs> I, I, I was like fully watching last week, at least four or five games. Either it was open or I was watching it, you know, I'll do something else. It's a little bit tricky because the, the site is still a little bit up and down. They're doing really well. I mean, I'm glad they took the time they needed to, like, get it up and running. But yeah, like watching certain games, like I was as emotionally invested as I was like, you know, I mean, I don't really follow sports, but like the la- the only time I did was during the World Series with the Cubs because like I was in mm-hmm. Chicago, I'm like, I might as well. This is a big deal. <laughs> People <laughs> waiting hundreds yeah. of, like, literally over a hundred years for this to happen. So, yeah. So, it was just really actually exciting. And, like, seeing who's up at bat and rooting for them and worrying and, and, and actually being, like, invested in this. Brethren's are a great team to join because they are definitely an underdog, but they're pretty good. So, they're not, like, a lot. They're not, like doing really poorly and it's hard to tell though because there's so much happening which like i'll be honest i do think that the incinerations and the feedback are a little too frequent i think it's like a little bit because there are every there's a game every hour there's so much that happens that like is cool in theory but i feel like it makes it less special when it happens so often and maybe i'm bitter because yes dear listener the breathman's got two <laughs> players incinerated with steak knife our best batter who was a yeah. a, a a man with a steak knife for a head who boyfriend Monreal was teaching how to wink, apparently, according to the wiki. Uh, <laughs> wit was destroyed, which was devastating. Hit for wit became a slogan. And we lost Eduardo Ingram as well. Uh, so Eddie and wit incinerated. And 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 the, the mints overall are not known for being especially good at uh, hitting or pitching. We do have a really good pitcher, Winnie Hess, the horse. She's great. But... We're mostly good at fielding. Like everyone on the team is great at stealing bases. Like Boyfriend Monreal, when they're out, they're gonna steal a base. There's no question. Yes. Uh, same with Hugh at best, who yes is a bunch of hermit crabs in a human mech. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so like I just I I the reason I'm a little bit adverse to the big things happening too often is like because the lore is so fun. You want to give people time to like actually get invested. If people are coming and going way too quickly it's just going to be pure chaos you know so like i kind of hope they slow that down just a bit like maybe one incineration a week you know like come on it's it's too much Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's like, yeah, it, it is a lot. I, I agree with you. It, it definitely happens a lot. I, I find it fun personally. I, I think, I think it, uh, adds a spice to the game. Um, that most of, most of the things that I, I find myself initially feeling negatively about with baseball, I then come around on, uh, that was, that's definitely one of them where like the incineration started to feel like a lot. I think if like York silk, for example, got, incinerated that would be like a huge deal you know that would be like maybe too much like if boyfriend monreal for example yeah got incinerated i mean with like, steak knife was a big deal that was that was one of our stars and but yeah i mean i know you mean like if, if jessica telephone or boyfriend monreal got incinerated i would stop watching the game entirely i'd be like that yes you've you've betrayed me as an audience member as a fan yeah and so one, one of the beautiful things uh, as steven mentioned and as i mentioned in the first episode uh opening the book which was one of the first decrees was just it was just called the book and then the the, the flavor text was just the book opens uh and, and if enough people voted for it that it opened up and it turns out that the book was a heavily redacted book of rules of baseball and when the book opened that's what en- entered us into the discipline era i think we are now like close to ending the discipline era because one of the first things was collectively we have to eat a million peanuts which has now happened oh apparently. So that was okay so they determined what that meant gotcha yeah gotcha um and and i think what the the second thing might have happened already too and i think a third thing needs to happen and nobody knows what it is yet because it's completely redacted <laughs> um but Eventually, it might happen. Yeah, uh, and then we'll find out, and the discipline era will end, and then that means that that incinerations end, uh, and and you know, then then we move on because I do think that ending incinerations because people do really actually like create attachments to these to these players to these characters, you know, like they they just show up as names, and then teams will uh, in the Discord in the baseball Discord, which I highly recommend joining if you haven't. Um, players in or sorry people in the discord in the team specific chats in those discords will like figure out who those new team members are when they join um and and it does create like a very real kind of sense of who this person is you know like you just described like five or six players on the breath mints every there are people on every team who can do exactly that about every team and that's kind of what i what i think is interesting about feedback which means that these players are now switching teams which is a thing that does happen in real baseball And that that adds to the lore, whereas incineration cuts it short. You know, like I think that that's. I agree. Yeah, like that's, I, I do agree. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, and and we've now entered uh, the the new season of baseball. I think it's season five is what we're in now. Yeah, it's season five at at the moment, at least while we're recording. And and season five is uh, just called Reverb is the name of it, and it adds another new weather condition that's called Reverb, uh, which which has completely changed the game for me at least has completely changed the way the game is played. Um, because like at the end of the day, like it's fun to watch all of this, you know, like there's a, there's a whole bunch of cool shit that's happening. You know, you are you are um, you know watching these games and getting invested in these characters and things like that. But there is like an actual idle game here to be played, and that's kind of that was kind of my pitch in, in the first episode about this um, is like. Like the game kind of is about placing these bets on these teams and like winning coins and then gathering enough coins that you can go to the shop and like upgrade yourself so you can win even more coins. Right. Like it, it really is like kind of the end all be all of idle games in that it, it is, you know, a, a narrative idle game, which is the thing that I talk about loving constantly on this show. Um, but the narrative is being built by multiple people because it's technically kind of an MMO and it's also become like a cultural event, you know, like it has replaced, uh, you know, group watching on Twitter of Game 
of Thrones, for example, I think is like one weird example. Like the, the experience of like if you logged onto Twitter.app or Twitter.com while Game of Thrones was airing on a Sunday, like that was your whole Twitter timeline. And I'm not a person who watched that show, but like I did appreciate that, that was a thing that people did. Blazeball is that. But constantly, yeah. essentially, it's like almost built for the quarantine era for for, for yeah. all intents and purposes. Yeah, it feels um, like, like New Horizons, Fall Guys, and Baseball, like the three corners of quarantine expression. At this point, it's like yes. comfort, like uh, tenacity, and like uh, mystery all fusing together. <laughs> uh, yeah, and 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 I don't think they built it because of quarantine. Like I don't. No, I don't wanna, no. This would have this would have been but, successful regardless. But I think. I agree. There, there's a, there's definitely, at least for me, there's a heavy tie to D and D as well. When he said like the commissioner is giving writing prompts, like a lot of this is like I think the best case scenario, the relationship between a, a DM and the players, where the DM is guiding the experience and and yes. setting down the foundation, and and the players are filling in the rest. And I think adding adding to the idea that in the Discord and the wiki, fans are deciding who these players are simultaneously. There's also not like any kind of like gatekeeping aspect of like staying truly beholden to that, at least in terms of the the plethora of fan art that's coming out, which is all amazing. It's all so good. Uh, uh, our, our friend Sadie did an incredible drawing of Peanuts Hell Duffy, an ordinary human on the uh, Hades Tigers who may or may not be a peanut seraphim. Anyway, I think it's cool that uh, a lot of artists have very different interpretations of what these characters look like. And there seems to be a pretty like heavy acceptance of all of that. You know, it's like it's all like there isn't a canonical look for any of these characters. It's like all just sort of following the same the same beats. Weirdly, you know, game of telephone uh, where, you know, you're just sort of like picking up ideas and making it your own. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, the thing about it that that's really wonderful is that like the little bit of lore that the developers uh, called that game band is, is the name of the development house. Um, um, that game band has kind of like put into play is essentially just like, you know, th- this game exists on another plane of existence. So like everything that you can come up with is valid simultaneously, which is really wonderful. Yeah. But anyway, the, the the thing that really struck me about this season in particular versus all the other ones is like all of the other seasons have kind of added to the lore side of things in a way, you know, like. Uh, you know, last, last season introducing feedback and players switching teams and things like that, like that all, that all adds to the lore, which I think is like really fascinating. But this season, season five uh, introduces that new weather condition reverb, which essentially just means that like, you know, the, the microphone is still on, you know, and, and players are still being interviewed and it's still fucking things up even more now. Um, I, I guess is the idea from a lore perspective, but but reverb really changes the way the game, the, the actual like game of baseball is played. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like baseball. I'm not talking about like the actual baseball side of things. I'm talking about like baseball.com, like logging on and like if you're playing it as an idle game the act of you trying to get more coins has now changed in like a dramatic way because of the introduction of this. And that's one of the reasons I think Blazeball is like one of the most incredible games I've ever seen just in general is its ability to kind of like change itself on a dime constantly. And like every idea that's been introduced so far for, for the past, like, you know, five to seven weeks has been, you know, markedly different and 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 wild uh, in really fun ways. So in this case, what Reverb does is uh, it can at any time 
uh, change the the lineup of your team. So the people who you had as pitchers are now batters, and the people who you had as batters are now pitchers. You know, regardless of what their stats are, uh, they they just kind of like switch the entire lineup um, in in like huge ways. Um, and and what that means, you know, because that happens mid game. That doesn't happen at the beginning or the end of the game. That just happens mid game. And what that means is essentially all of the bets that you are placing based on like, okay, this pitcher is better than this pitcher, or you know the this pitcher has better vibes than this pitcher or like if I'm looking at the total like team comp like they the the batters have more stars on this team than the batters on this team like whatever whatever stats you were using initially to place bets on teams kind of go out the window now uh, because reverb can change all of that immediately and that really 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 like dramatically changes the way people are betting on this game which creates instances like when you're in the discord and everybody has lost every bet that they placed you <laughs> You know, like there's just this like huge wipeout of people's coins. I, for example, last season in season four, there was a decree in season three that was called Eat the Rich, which meant that if you were in the one percent, the top one percent, if you had them, if you were in the one percent, you had the, like the most coins essentially in the league um, that your money would get all taken from you and then redistributed to the ninety nine percent. So everybody in the ninety nine percent would get a certain amount of coins. Um, I was in the one percent in season four because I had gotten so good at like playing the game of baseball like the idle game of baseball um, that I just had like an unbelievable amount of coins by the time that season ended and I lost all of my coins. And now I, because of reverb, I'm struggling to play the game the way that I did last season. And that's awesome. That's like an incredible thing. Yeah. Like initially I was like, Oh shit. I actually don't understand how, to bet on these games anymore and now i'm learning more about like risk assessment and risk management in this game um than i thought i would ever need to worry about because for a certain while it was essentially just whatever team has the highest percentage chance of winning is probably the one that you should vote on because most times you're going to be correct by voting for them now all of those bets go out the window and it's like okay what does the total team comp mean you know if this person suddenly becomes a batter you know is that good or is that bad i don't really know if that person stays a batter is that good or is that bad like they're there are infinitely more variables and it just becomes more like what team do you like more and what's their current win and loss ratio and like just kind of guessing more than like actually looking at stats. And I think that gets more to like the heart of what it would actually be like to bet on an actual baseball game. Uh, and, and in that way, it means that any game that has the weather condition of reverb is like a total crapshoot and you should just like have fun with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and I think that that's really, that's really incredible because like as much as I love the lore side of this game, that was the reason I got into it initially. It is cool that the developers are also focused on making an interesting game on the side of totally, that, you know, totally. Yeah. It, it's cool. It's cool that both of these things interlock, but also can be upgraded and changed and like formed in different ways, independent of one another. Uh, and, and that the players are like figuring out how to, how to tie one into the other when that happens. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just voted for the decree of parallel worlds, which I have no idea what that means, but I'm like, that sounds amazing. Like I want to see what that will result in. Uh, yeah. So th- this season, the, the election uh, has, has, you know, they, they always have decrees, which change the rules of baseball. Um, and then there's always, uh, w- w- what's the other one? Blessings, which change like specific teams. So like if, if enough people on a team vote for one specific blessing that means that that team gets that blessing but the decrees are the ones that change everything this is the first season that has a bunch of decrees that don't have any flavor text you have no idea what you're voting for one of them is called uh, i'll just read them off because there's only six confuse good high filter diagonal world parallel world do nothing and confuse evil and those are the decrees this season (laughs) nobody knows what any of them mean 
Parallel world That's is founded. Thrilling. Yeah, it, it is. It really is. And I think I think you're so right in terms of the idea of like, okay, creatively, we're always reacting to what the game is throwing down. But if the game is also changing, that will keep people around longer. Yes. I think another addition that I really like that's a little bit more grounded is on the website, one of the new tabs is the bulletin uh, in yes. which the developers mercifully give you some information. They basically list out <laughs> what happened last season. So, you know, rather than having to spelunk into the wikis or ask someone you're close with who is a fan of a team, you can just read the bulletin and it'll say like, here's who won, you know, here's what happened. So the Tigers won last season. I think they're back-to-back champions. They won the season before as well. Really good team. I think one of the decrees was tame the Tigers. Did that win? I think it did, yeah. I was hoping it wouldn't because I'm like, you know, root for yourself. Don't drag someone else down. I'm also like, you know, the, there's the good league and the evil league in the Kansas City, Breathminster and the good league. But like the parallel world evil and maybe that's maybe parallel world will let you choose two teams. Maybe that's what it is. You have a good and evil team. But oh my uh, god. If I had to choose an evil team, it'd be the Tigers. You know, like I love an underdog, but I also love a champion. And you got both there. Uh, <laughs> so um yeah, so uh, they'll they'll list what happened, and they'll also feature uh, some fan art as well. So they'll choose, like, you know, they'll just have some, some artists on Twitter with the drawing of a character, and it'll just be featured there. Which I think is a really, yeah. like, it's a really nice evidence of the relationship between the developers and the fans. You know, it's like, okay, like, they are, this is a very symbiotic relationship in terms of, like, they are leading, and, 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 the, and the fans are filling in the blanks. And I think, I think it's beautiful. I think it's one of the most unique experiences like you can find in games or elsewhere it's really it's really wonderful yeah i my look the 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 unsaid thing about baseball is like you know um and and i I don't want to be like the but like baseball is always and and i'm having um I actually, I don't like any of that bit. Can you cut that all out, AJ? <laughs> Blazeball just rocks, man. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think it's great, and I'm really excited to see where it goes and what will be inspired by this. That's something, too, that, you know, like, this is such a unique format. We talk about, like, a, a the influence of a game like Moonhead. I think Blazeball is going to have a huge influence in terms of, like, how can yeah. you have an interactive creative experience that is online and and is in this fashion? What yeah. else can happen because of that? <sighs> baseball. <laughs> right now, I'm, 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 looking at the, I'm looking at the bulletin right now, and, and there's a couple things. So there's, like, a couple tabs, and there's meet the bulletin board, which is just like, hey, this is a thing that exists now. Um, and then there's current events, uh, season four recap, for those of you who, like, are interested in what happened last season. And then there's another one that's just called Echo, and it just says idols, 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 <laughs> idols, in all caps. How are the Breathmints doing, by the way? Uh, they're not off to a great start last time I checked. Uh, yeah, let me take a look at the old standings. Uh, there's second in the lawful good league oh hell yeah they were two losses in i caught i was watching real early and uh yeah the the chant that our biggest rivals are the chicago firefighters which i also have a soft spot for i'm from chicago chicago firefighters lost almost every game they played today Oof. I bet on the Chicago Firefighters pretty much every single game that they played today, and I lost every single time. I want the men's to do. I want us to make the playoffs at least. I don't need to be champ yet. I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind being an underdog, but I don't want to be a laughing stock. You know what I mean? My old team, the Hawaii Fridays, are fucking crushing it this season. Yeah. By the way, they're number one in the whole league. I right hope now. you don't have any regrets. I don't. No, I love. I love the Breath Mints. I'm so glad to be here. I, I I'm so happy 
that you joined us. And I will say something too, genuinely. I get now, like the the the, the biggest, like the easiest, and 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 like like kind of least thoughtful joke about sports fans is always like, <laughs> why do you say we when you're not on the team? <laughs> and like, I get it now. I say that about the Breathments. I'm like, yeah, we did all right that time. Like, I truly understand why you say that, and it's because you're part of it. Like, if you're if you're a fan of real baseball, you were part of that team. You know, like if it was just people playing baseball, no one watching or paying attention, it would be even weirder than baseball. It would just be like you need that receiving end of it. It's it's a symbiotic relationship, even with real sports, you know? Um, yeah. It, it's an absolutely. event. It, it's, a, it's a uniting force for good. And honestly, I can see myself getting into sports now because of baseball. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if that totally actually happens. That. But I do think there's something really nice about just having like a passive sense of community that's like always kind of running and it's up to you when you like clock in hard, you know, like mm. I, I, I didn't watch every game. But when I did, like I was flooding our messages about like what boyfriend Monreal just did or like, you know, Winnie Hess at bat or, or at, at the pitcher's mound or whatever, like get Leach out of there, you know, like it just fun stuff like that. I get it. I truly understand <laughs> baseball and baseball now thank you thank you yeah i i do want to say i mean i i'm sorry because we're like almost a half an hour into this segment whatever i probably should have said this at the beginning but like if, if you are looking for a way to get into baseball i my my like few prong recommendation is go to baseball.com choose a team based on literally whatever you want like whatever you're feeling in the moment uh that that is the right team for you uh join the discord it is the most important part of all of this um, and, and join the team chat for the discord. Uh, so whatever team you pick, join that and introduce yourself and hang out and you will have the best time. All of that by itself will will work wonders for you. Once you move your way on to checking out the wiki and learning about your team, that's when it's really going to click. I think I think those three things like just getting onto the website, actually signing up for an account joining the discord and checking out the wiki for whatever team you pick are like the three pillars of greatness for baseball. I totally agree. I think joining the discord is a fundamental step and like it is a really nice place. So the Breathman's chat, super friendly, super great. I've, I've had a great time in there. Um, I also recommend joining our discord at into the cast online <laughs> because we have a sports channel that's like just for actual sports. But every once in a while, people post baseball stuff in there also because that's also our baseball chat. So it's really great seeing people like talk about Formula One and like actual baseball and then also see people talk about like, oh, the feedback switch these two players. I love that. Uh, I love, I love that there's no dedicated channel for either. That's perfect. That's yeah, just great. seeing it all mixed together is like weirdly so in line with what baseball is all about. <laughs> cool. Well, that's baseball. We will definitely talk about it again, dear listener, uh, but we will move on for now. Uh, but let us know. And honestly, uh, for those in the Discord, if you do want a dedicated channel, we can make that happen very easily. So let us know either way. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Blaseball.com, a good website that you can visit. 
I'm so excited to just see what other seasons turn into. Uh, also, when you go to baseball.com, it says it's in beta. I can't wait for this to not be in beta anymore. What a wild thing that's yeah, going to be. I would when love, there's an app, when yes. there's an iPhone app that exists, is that what you're about to say? Yeah, because <laughs> my work computer, the algorithm has has convinced itself that it's a real gambling website, so it's blocked. <laughs> so I can't <laughs> I can't go on baseball my work computer. And so I either need to have like 80s hacker, like two computer screens open or have it on mm-hmm. my phone and I will say it does not run as well on mobile like I get yeah. logged out pretty constantly you know and I don't I'm not I don't really want to point that out because I don't from what they have told us the developers they're a pretty small team and this is kind of blowing up well past their wildest expectations so like I get that they're trying to make it work but yeah once there's an app this will be like a constant for me um, I'm yeah. only held back by the website not able to hold the the fandom's love for this game so (laughs) yeah yeah eventually there will be a dedicated app i'm sure and it'll be incredible yeah um cool cool all right you want to move on yes see you soon brendan we are back Uh, we're gonna wrap up the episode but uh we reached out on twitter just for any questions at all it's usually something we do for bonus episodes but I think uh, for whatever reason, tonight's energy. Yeah, you and I had a fun energy even before. We, we've yeah. been talking about how much we were looking forward to recording this episode for like days for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had to reschedule and I think you're kind of at that perfect mix of tired, but like aware after yeah. moving. I was just like sitting there waiting for my ravioli to finish boiling. <laughs> and I was like, let me tweet a, and ask for questions without asking and Stephen. I've- I've got tomorrow off, so it's, it's a Friday energy despite being Monday, which is confusing but positive. <laughs> and we're going to follow that up. Uh, we, we said on Twitter, like, hey, ask us literally anything you want. And we got a bunch of fun ones. So we're just going to wrap up the episode with that uh, and have a good time. Yeah. Uh, we've already, I will say, um, we actually, uh, for the first time ever, <laughs> we have, like, a lot plan for for next week so i i'm just i'm also very excited for the next episodes we have including the bonuses it's just it's a good feeling to have knowing what's in the store yeah well i i think we could just I, why not just say it next week is gonna be tony hawk which is thrilling <laughs> tony hawk and uh I, as i've teased in the discord i purchased the first fire emblem that came out in the u.s for game boy advance which i've been playing and i'm excited to talk about yeah which is a game i also did play like way back yeah. in the day, I, yeah. I have some time into it. Um, I might I might even be able to check it out before we record, which could be fun. But anyway, we could talk about that later. Uh, yeah, so that's on the horizon. Yeah. But let's do these cool and fun and chaotic good questions you asked us. Yeah. So so the first the first one um, I have to give a little bit of context for because I, I when I tweeted it from at into the cast on Twitter dot com, uh, I, I said, hey, everyone, we're going to record an episode in like 20 minutes or so. Feel free to reply with any questions about literally whatever. Um, and I included uh, a gif of Jim Carrey as the Riddler in Joel Schumacher's <laughs> Batman Forever, having the thoughts of everyone in Gotham City dumped into his brain. Uh, yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Yeah, sure did. Uh, so our, our first question comes from uh, Kyle, who asks, how do you actually feel about the Schumacher Batman movies? A lot of Batman mania happening. We talked about Batman last week. Yeah. Uh, I know you're a big Batman fan. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a uh, amateur Batman fan. I, yeah. I like him in passing. Oh, can I, I, can I follow up on that real quick? Because oh, last last time we talked about Batman, I recommended uh, Year One, which is great, by Frank Miller. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I, I mentioned that you should read as a follow-up The Long Halloween, which you said is your favorite Batman comic. Yeah, um, totally. 
I had no idea. As a person who reads a lot of Batman, I had no idea there's a sequel to The Long Halloween. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. I, I forgot what it's called. Dark Victory. My, Dark Victory. Yeah, I, I've heard it's great. I just finished reading I, it. I read, read it. it. I read it in between oh. last episode and this in this week, <laughs> um, because as soon as I found out it existed, I was like, I need to read that. And it is fucking great. It is so good. Um, it is yeah. it is a direct follow up to the Long Halloween, so you have to read the cool. Long Halloween first. But uh, man, is it good! I, I you got it, you got to check it out. You'll have a great time. I've been meaning to go to my favorite uh, local comic book store, so that would be a good purchase to go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, how do you feel about the Joel Schumacher Batman movies? I can't wait to tell you what I think about them. I guess I'll go first uh, as an appetizer. Uh, hello, <laughs> and a moose bouche. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm a big ITA fan. Steven Hilger is really the appetizer of the show, if you ask me. He's the amuse-bouche of Schumacher takes. <laughs> uh, so, so, correct me if I'm wrong. Schumacher did uh, Batman Forever uh-huh. with Al Kilmer as yes. Batman, yes. Bruce Wayne. And Batman and Robin with George Clooney. With George Clooney. Right? Those, yes. So, those two movies. Yes. Um, so, Batman Forever, I enjoy i've not watched it in a long time but tommy I mean, lee jones is the joker jim carrey is the riddler are the two big villains. Uh, tommy lee jones is two-face oh, sorry as two-face yes jim carrey is the riddler yes i thought you were the batman fan i'm kidding <laughs> i mean he does play it like the joker though it is not it's not a, it's more of a joker right he has an apartment that's like a half inch <laughs> demonic and he's like i should go to the grocery store or i can burn it down yes like it's very funny i I remember liking Batman Forever. I mean, the best thing you can say about Batman Forever is that it's the set. I think canonically, that movie was an excuse to give Seal an amazing set for Kiss from a Rose. Because uh, that is the music video for that song. It's just the Batman Forever set, uh, which was, I think, the single for that movie. Anyway, that movie's fine. I, I think uh, I think it's a fun kind of more almost like we were talking about, uh, I think last time, like the scale of Batman seriousness. And that is somewhere between Adam West and Tim Burton, you know, like it's a little bit sillier than like Batman Returns, but it's not quite as like, yeah, fully camp. So I guess that's what makes it kind of confusing is like how on purpose is the camp? I think with Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey, they are fully embracing it. I don't know if Val Kilmer was, <laughs> but I do like Val. I mean, it's it's a fine movie. Batman and Robin, I remember thinking like, oh, this is a so bad it's good movie. It's just it's just brutal. Like any scene that isn't Arnold. And I think everyone involved in that movie apologized for it, except for Arnold. And and he shouldn't have because he's the only fun part of it. Like Mr. Freeze, like not only is there the can't be like, okay, Arnold as Mr. Freeze is inherently silly and is going to be great. But like weirdly, there are dramatic moments that work too. Like at the very end, there's like a moment of redemption. Mm-hmm. But everything else is like just awful like just boring bad not even funny so i would say that like probably like neutral to negative on on both movies averaged up yeah um yeah that was the appetizer (laughs) so the interesting thing is that last week i I decided to watch batman forever Uh, oh cool so i literally just rewatched it 
it just in the height of all the Batman mania with like DC fandom happening and, and, and the uh, Robert Pattinson Batman getting announced and uh, Gotham Knights getting announced and all that stuff. I was like, I really need to watch a Batman movie and I don't know which one. And, and I hadn't seen the Schumacher stuff like probably since the 90s, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I and my partner Percy had decided like, OK, we're both we're going to watch the Schumacher stuff. So we watched Batman Forever uh, last week. And what I'll say about this movie is that it is fucking bad just right up front. <laughs> like, it's not good. It's not a good movie. It doesn't I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's good, but I had an incredible time watching it in the way that people who love the Fast and the Furious movies talk about those movies. And I, I think that that's an important like piece of pop culture is to have something that's bad that you love anyway, that you love despite all of the stuff that it does wrong. And I think that there's actually a lot of thought that goes into making something like that, which I think is the thing that kind of gets ignored. Weirdly, uh, uh, another DC property that, that I could bring up here is um, James Wan, who, who directed a lot of the Fast and the Furious stuff, uh, went on to make Aquaman, which is another DC movie that I think I've talked about on this show maybe before, yeah. but, but I think it's yeah. worth mentioning. Again <laughs> it's here. your Scott McCloud understanding comics. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be. Um, yeah. uh, Aquaman is a movie that is trying to capture that thing that makes people like Fast and the Furious, even though it's bad. Um, and, yeah. and I'm not going to go into the whole thing over and over and over again, but like the one thing that everybody always brings up is like there's an octopus that plays the drums in that movie. And, and it's at that point, where you decide if you're on board or if you're not on board with what Aquaman is trying to do because it knows it's dumb and it loves being dumb and and it's made a choice to be dumb and that's why it's not dumb if that makes any sense um and I I find the Joel Schumacher stuff weirdly enough is that like Batman Forever at least I I have to still rewatch Batman and Robin that's the next one don't don't as your friend don't like really (laughs) it's it is sickeningly bad. Like it's okay. boring. Like just watch a best of Mr. Freeze. Everything else is like nauseating. Okay, I'll like, go to YouTube.com instead. Like it begins with Batman and Robin getting hypnotized by Poison Ivy. And then the rest of the movie, they're like vaguely hypnotized still. So they're hypnotized like for most of the movie. It's it's brutal. And I like I like a lot of the people involved in it. It's just not. I mean, to be fair, the first line in Batman Forever is Val Kilmer dressed as Batman saying to Alfred, I'm going to go get drive through. So like (laughs) I'm warning you as a friend, don't watch. I've watched Batman and Robin recently. Don't do it. Okay. It's it's strep throat as a movie. It's just <laughs> okay, you've, you've convinced time. me I won't watch it. But but what I will say about Batman Forever at least is that it is it is aiming to be something very specific, and I actually think it does pull it off. And what it's trying to do, I agree, I agree with that. Yeah, what what it's trying to do is to not be Tim Burton's Batman, which is you know very much Tim Burton's Batman, and and it's not trying to be what Chris Nolan eventually tried to be, uh, which is you know that that like gritty kind of dark adaptation of like the detective side of Batman. What Joel Schumacher's Batman is trying to do is essentially be an adaptation of the like original version of Batman in the comics, which I think is really interesting because at the time that that movie came out, uh, you had Batman Nightfall, which is like one of the like biggest storylines that ever happened in, in Batman canon. It's the one where 
where Bane breaks Batman's back. Like that is like one of the like, I think most like seminal storylines of Batman canon, which like I didn't personally enjoy reading, uh, you know, with like, I guess, 2015 sensibilities, I guess, uh, as a person who read comics at that point. Um, but I, I do appreciate like kind of the impact that that storyline had going forward in the face of like the Dark Knight Returns coming out and year one and things like that. Joel Schumacher is like, no, I'm going to take the 1930s version of Batman and and make that real. And that's kind of thrilling in a weird way. I mean, I don't I don't think that you should do that, but it's cool that he got the budget to do it and then pulled it off. Like it is a good adaptation of that. If that's the kind of thing that you're into. Um, and, and that's what I think about Joel Schumacher's Batman. Wow. We answered that question for a really long time, huh? Yeah, we did. But that was the appetizer. <laughs> I went longer than expected too. That was both our fault. We're the, we're the Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy of that segment in that yeah. we ruined it beyond even fun. Um, <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. Long story short, Schumacher Batman, uh, watch Batman Forever. Don't watch Batman and Robin, I guess. Cool. Yeah, just watch Mr. Freeze segments. Yes. Uh, this is from Bolt. What would you like to see in a Nintendo Switch sports game? I have a, I have, oh, can man. I be the moose-boosh this time? Okay, you got to tell me what that means, because this is the fifth time you said it, and you love saying it. You glow, you glow, Your cheeks glow when you say it, and I don't know what it means. It's just like appetizer. It's just like a fancier word for appetizer. Can you say it again? I can't. I also haven't caught it what it is. A moose bouche. Gotcha. A moose bouche. It's a single, uh, according to Wikipedia, it's a single bite sized appetizer. Mm, oh, I like that. So it's just sort of like if I were at a banquet that Mr. Freeze was about to crash, I'd be like, oh, can I have this? And then he freezes me in place, and I'm forever known as the, the man person grabbing the crab cake off of the platter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, what would I like to see in a sports RPG? You were going to go first. You're the amuse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I will say Amuse Bush sounds like a prequel character from Star Wars as well. <laughs> like a shitty pod racer. Like, oh, that's just Amuse Bush. Yeah, don't even bother rooting for him. Who, for some reason, has a to... lightsaber that's a different color than everybody else, yeah. like Mace Windu. Yeah. <laughs> I've never met another android before. I'm Amuse Bush. <laughs> My lightsaber is indigo. <laughs> <laughs> when you turn my lightsaber upside down, it goes <laughs> like one of those sticks you have. <laughs> it sounded like you were trying to say a moose bush again. I'm a moose bush. See you later at the pod racing school. <laughs> <laughs> oh my anyway, god! You were gonna say about sports about sports games? Uh, we sports resort ported. Can you repeat the question? What What do you want to see in a sports game on Switch? Yes. I want to see a, a reintroduction. I think I, I spoiled this unconsciously, but I want to see more sports RPGs. You know, I think that's a, a yeah. somewhat uncommon genre. I think there was a Mario Golf game on Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, that like really kind of focused on like you making a character and like leveling up certain stats and that's kind of fun, like the investment of getting better. I think uh, Golf Story also did it very well narratively. But I think there's still a way to like perfect this idea of like having just a full-blown RPG that just sort of replaces the aesthetic of like 
kingdoms and dragons with sports you know i think mm-hmm. actually weirdly pokemon sword i think did that best where they you know yeah. focus yeah, totally. on the gyms being this kind of fifa-esque league and giving it like you know the sticks i mean basically what i want is like what phoenix Wright did to like being a lawyer in a video game i want that but as a athlete you know i want that sort of like dramatized maybe even like it doesn't necessarily have to be like an anime style but just that like added intensity to things that might normally be like somewhat mundane oh steven there's a game that just came out this week that i don't think is on your radar at all that is exactly the thing that you're describing oh really yeah oh Um, sign me up let me find the full name of it but the but it's based off uh an old anime series uh that's existed like forever that uh, just got turned into a video game that just released on Switch and PS4. It's called uh, Captain Tsubasa Rise of New Champions. Um, and it's a it's a soccer game that is like exactly the thing that you just described. It is a sports RPG. Oh, hell yeah. Where you play as like a middle school soccer prodigy um, who is trying to make it to like the, the world stage, essentially. Um, and it is so like bombastic and wild and like from what i understand uh playing soccer like when you go to shoot on the goal for example like if you've played fifa before you shoot on the goal and there's you know a bunch of reasons why it may or may not go into the goal in in the case of captain tsubasa rise of new champions for the nintendo switch whenever you shoot at the goal the goalie has a health bar so depending on how hard you hit the ball is you break through the like sekiro parry meter guard of of the goalie (laughs) So you just like kind of knock them into the goal. It's like not even you scoring or not scoring. It's like, actually, did you just kick the ball hard enough to like whack the dude in the face? It it looks great. I hope it's great. Um, I've heard good things. I've also heard the Switch port is like a little bit iffy, but the PS4 version is like rock solid and super fun. Mm. Um, Maybe I'll get that. I do want to check it out. I, I actually it's been on my radar. It's something that I was going to like bring secretly eventually. But uh, but I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that that seems like it might be up your alley. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm so excited. Captain Tsubasa, uh, maybe on the horizon. I'm so yeah. glad what I wanted suddenly exists. This show is weird magic, I think. Yeah, I think um, it is, too. What was the next question? This is from a boy of stone on Twitter. What game-inspired Halloween costumes are you thinking of this year? Whoa. Assuming a lot about me, Boy of Stone. But you're not off. I always... I feel like I always want to go all out on Halloween in terms of costume. And it always is too late. Like, I never do it in time. Yeah, me too. Um, But just to to honor the question, if I were to dress up as a video game character for Halloween, who would I be? (sighs) Hmm. Trying to think. Do you have any answers? Um, I'd like to be anyone from Blaseball or the Blaseball Commissioner. <laughs> I'd love to like that's try and figure out how to be idea. the commissioner. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll just be Chad Muska from Tony Hawk. <laughs> that's you know, perfect. Just skate around. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a definitive answer, but I'll say I'll say Chad Muska. But I do think Blaseball, if I had to say like what's the hot costume this year, video game related, I think Dressing up as your baseball team would would easily be the coolest thing to do. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, this is from Marcel. Uh, weirdly, in, in the spirit of Moon, what video game would you want to be dropped in to live your life as an NPC with minor interactions with protagonists? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Yeah, that is very Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Zelda. I think Zelda NPCs Any specific Zelda? Like- that's a good question. I mean, part of me wants to say Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild is actually one of the more like rough settings Bleak. for an NPC to live in. Yeah. 
so I'll say Wind Waker. I think maybe being being either like a traveling merchant like Beetle or being just someone in one of the islands just chilling out, uh, staying nautical. I think, I, I think I'd be a Wind Waker NPC. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's my answer. Um, I think my answer would probably have to be Pokemon Silver or Gold. Like in that mm. in that era specifically, Pokemon. Maybe maybe yeah. Ruby Sapphire. Like maybe maybe Generation Three actually. But I would say like mid to early Generation Pokemon. I think would be a really interesting time to live. Um, I've talked a lot on this show, like kind of on and off, just about uh, how much I love the idea of living in the world of Pokemon, not as a trainer, um, and 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 the implications of having Pokemon exist or coexist with humanity. And uh, yeah, I, I I think that's like the easy answer for me. I'm always jealous of those NPCs of Pokemon that are just like sitting by a TV with their Clefairy and they're like, if you go outside, make sure you use potions. And that's like it. Yeah. That's like what they're prepared to say to yeah. strangers barging in. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. I mean, Zelda Pokemon peak NPC real estate, I think. If you're going to be a, <laughs> if you're going to be an NPC, those are great places to be one. Yeah. I think Earthbound could, could be funny too, but uh that would require a little bit more zaniness. I think I could chill in Zelda. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I could very much chill in in Pokémon. Live in uh Pacific Log Town, you know, just kind of float on the mm. ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Be a Goldenrod City podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just want to say Team Rocket is not holding me hostage. <laughs> anyway, have you heard about these slowpoke tails? Yummy, yummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from uh, Walla Pratt on Twitter. Uh, if you were forced to get a tattoo sleeve entirely based on one game, which game would it be? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I love this question so much. I don't have an this answer for it yet, but I need to think question. about it. A tattoo sleeve. So my first thought is also Zelda. So I'm just going to follow that. And specifically, there is a really beautiful mural someone did a while ago that is like every character in, in the Zelda compendium from like, it's a, it's a very vertical, which is why I think of a sleeve. It's a very vertical mural where at the top, it's the, it's like a very faint, it's like a really blinding light. And there's a faint silhouette of the three goddesses. And then a little bit further down, you've got Link, Zelda, and Ganondorf yeah. representing the three parts of the Triforce. Then the sages. And basically, as you go down, it becomes more and more mortal. So you start with the goddesses. You get the three heroes of time or three representatives of the Triforce. My my wish is always to see Ganondorf redeemed for some reason, but I digress. Uh, and then uh, you get like the, the plethora of townsville, like all the people. And then when you get lower, you start to get into the more like demonic parts. So you get like Ganon, you get uh, weirdly Wolf Link and, and Minna. And then at the very bottom, I think is like Skull Kid uh, and, and um, Shadow Link mm. is like kind of out by himself. So like that whole, this like glossary of characters, like that really blends in well, I think would make a cool sleep. I don't know if I would get it, but if, if I had to commit to a sleeve, I think I would do that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, Oof. I, I have a few answers just kind of off the dome. One of them, uh, kind of an easier one, is uh, like stained glass, uh, the, the stained glass stuff from Kingdom Hearts. Uh, like when you, when you start That's the game one. and you have all the like stained glass towers and stuff, like a lot of that art is really, really gorgeous um, in Kingdom yeah. Hearts 1 and 2. I really love that stuff. Um, I didn't even mention that I've been playing Kingdom Hearts 3 again. Did I mention that? That, I, that I've been like... I think very briefly. I'm like trying to finish it before the end of the year just for no reason in particular, just kind of like jump 
back into it. Anyway, Kingdom Hearts is an easy one. Um, the other one, uh, I think the Hollow Knight map would be really cool. Oh, um, that'd be awesome. Obviously, yeah. it means a lot to me in particular. So, like, I would I would be okay with getting it as a tattoo sleeve. And also just, like, a really beautiful thing. Um, and the last one would maybe be Okami, just because, like, that feels ripe for being yeah. a tattoo. Oh, the, the calligraphy and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I... I think, like, now that I'm thinking about my decision, the, the amount of hours I would have to, like, stay in the tattoo Well, studio, it's a sleeve, like, Steven, so it's going to take a yeah, while regardless. That's true. Um, but honestly, thinking about, like, if I were to actually get a tattoo, maybe not a sleeve, of a game, I think it'd be Celeste. I think I would get something from, so maybe, like, the mountain icon or something. Like, yeah. I don't I, I don't know if I've actually talked about this ever on the show, but there my my rule for myself with tattoos is that I won't get one unless I want it for five straight years. Um, and and one of the ones that I've been thinking about for a really long time, honestly, for more than five years, I just haven't done it yet, is uh, a Fez tattoo specifically. Um, oh, I, yeah. I've wanted to get the numbers one, two and three in in the uh, number in the numerology system from fez uh tattooed on on my forearm like forever and i i will probably do it eventually honestly because it's been a really long time and i still want it and i still think it'd be sick um i love that game i love um that i had to learn how to write a new language um and and uh uh, understand numbers in a new way to be able to finish it and and the numbers one two three mean a lot to me in the for you know just very specific reasons that i can't go into because we don't have enough time on this podcast but uh yeah i don't know it's just like a culmination of like 50 different things in my life all at once yeah um that's cool that uh yeah i've been thinking about it for a long time so i guess like the actual for real answer is fez and then my my like goof answers are, are all the other ones i said before yeah just the giant adoring fan from oblivion on my entire arm <laughs> zoomed all the Stretched way in out. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the low res yeah yeah uh, oh, excuse, cool. can you make it look a little more jpeggy could this look shittier i'll wait <laughs> <laughs> i can come back for another session yeah I'll- <laughs> uh this one's from this is our last one this is one's from danger butts it, it's just it just says you clowning honestly yes this episode has been probably the most most accurate to that the most we've know? been clowning the most we've been clowning yeah totally yeah thanks danger butts for that question <laughs> are you clowning yes we are clowning goodbye um hey i didn't find any cool segue to bring this up so i'm just gonna say it out loud i guess yeah, do before it. we wrap up uh there's another podcast i wanted to recommend that i've been listening to a lot recently and they they just kind of like did a thing that makes me want to recommend it even more um th- there's a podcast that i've talked about i think in the past uh that was called the spelunky show like which was a show that was ostensibly about Spelunky and roguelikes in general by a bunch of incredible game designers um, who, you know, just have like an unbelievable pedigree. One of them being Zach Gage, who I bring up constantly on this show, who just did good Sudoku recently. But anyway, the whole, the whole thing was like exploring Spelunky and roguelikes and things like that um, and eventually kind of like branched out into interviewing other game developers or like, you know, single person teams about the, the games that they made. And I think they got further and further away from being about Spelunky at a certain point and realized that the appeal of the show had kind of like outgrown just that one game. So they just rebranded and now it has just an amazing name. It's called Eggplant colon The Secret Lives of Games, which I think is an amazing name. Um, yeah, totally. And uh, I just wanted to recommend that show. I I, I don't recommend a lot of podca- other podcasts on on this on this show. Um, but uh, that's one that I listen to pretty much every week, and I think is great. And now that they've rebranded and like become another thing, I think it's like definitely worth jumping on now. 
it's a it's a really good time it was kind of harder to recommend when it was like technically branded to be about spelunky uh the the big irony is that they're doing um like a side series specifically about spelunky 2 when that comes out which is funny so like the show is going to be very much about spelunky again soon um (laughs) but uh i they they just had an episode recently uh when announcing the rebrand that was about uh, good Sudoku and you know interviewing Zach Gage who is one of the hosts but like talking to him about like the making of good Sudoku and what that entailed and that was like really fascinating to just hear about like what goes into that but I would say the most prolific guest on the show is probably Derek Yu who made Spelunky and they had an episode recently that was talking to Derek Yu and the composer of Spelunky 1 and Spelunky 2 and also Downwell which is a great game about Splunky 2, but they weren't allowed to spoil anything or say anything about what's actually in the game, which is like a fascinating listen because it's like two hours of a bunch of people trying to not say anything about the game, but also ask very in-depth questions because they're all game designers <laughs> and they all want to know like really specific shit. Um, yeah. It's great. It's really cool. And honestly, it just got me so amped about Splunky 2. Um, I, I, Comes out soon, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, next week or two weeks from now. I think it's actually next oh, wow. Saturday. Uh, at the time of our recording but um, you and you and I have talked about this a little bit off the show I think when that game comes out I'm gonna try if you know uh, my, my fingers are crossed to your listener but uh, if, if all goes well and everything is set up um, I really want to do like morning streams of Spelunky 2 uh, when I wake up before work that's kind of my plan and that's uh, awesome if not I'll I'll you know try and figure out some way to do it like kind of daily because I, I would really like to be streaming a lot of Splunky 2 when that comes out so stay tuned for that that's like exciting I'm excited to watch I think I'm also I'm gonna stream Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 uh, I think the day it comes out just for fun we, we're trying to stream more so keep an eye on the Twitch channel yeah um, twitch.tv slash into the cast that's right that's what it is um, do you want to wrap up uh, I think for, we're for already in the, in the process of wrapping up yeah we're like anyways I'm gonna go to bed this Monday night after all <laughs> if you like the show you can close your eyes and imagine need even better show your imagination <laughs> is limitless why bother resting in the physical realm when you can transcend to a better one in your own imagination if you- uh dear listener if you like the show recommend it to a friend it's the easiest and most direct way to help it grow rating us out of five stars on Apple Podcasts is also helpful. Uh, all the links for the Instagram and the Twitter and, and the Twitch are all at intothecast.online, right? Is that what it is? That is the website. That is the URL. Can't believe I don't. We've been doing the show for two years and I still don't fully know all the links. <laughs> but it is as easy as it's ever been. Into the cast online. Uh, our Instagram is there. It's a collection of all the episode art, uh, most of which Brendan makes, which is great. Every now and then I'll draw one, but uh, it's mostly creation. Also, some of the Discord shouted out uh, all your show description lore that you secretly sprinkle in. That's a very private process that I that I have respected all this time. It's very interesting. I love reading them personally. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I don't I don't very frequently talk about the fact that I write sometimes very lengthy episode descriptions for these they're kind of like a collection of short stories honestly yeah i'm into them 
uh, which is weird to say on the show that it's but it just like you don't tell us anything about them and they just show up and it's it feels like it's like a shooting star amidst the solar system we've built yeah i mean uh, uh our process to let you look behind the curtain our process is generally like we record the episodes then aj edits them and then steven and i listen to the edits and then give notes and then like i'll be making the episode art and we'll like jam on the episode title and like we'll go through a bunch of revisions of all of that stuff but not once ever have i said sent you the episode description yeah you've never been like here's what i'm thinking it's always just there which i like i like that there's a part <laughs> that even i don't know uh there needs to be a mystery in some step of the process yeah but anyway uh instagram is all the episode art uh twitter into the cast uh, you can follow us there and yeah that's pretty much it twitch is also into the cast we'll be streaming more like we said and yeah thank you so much we are, we are really uh enjoying like I, we've been enjoying doing this show since day one, but I think like we have been always kind of open to experimenting and doing more things. And I feel like we're at kind of a turning point with like figuring out what we like doing, what we want to do more of. So we appreciate all the feedback and are excited to grow whatever direction we end up moving in. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's how yeah, I feel about whatever. it too. That's how I feel as well. Okay. I just never wanted to see. I just don't know. I can because if I wake up, then the imagination is, is limited. In this form, I am limitless. I'd rather be limitless than have any kind of... My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Online.